As I promised you this morning, I am going to give you my own testimony. Telling my own testimony is very, very hard thing to do. I rather sometimes uh, feel a lot easier to preach than I give my own testimony. Do you know why? Two reasons. To expose myself in the public like this, to everything that I was and am now, is sometimes not in a way pleasant thing to do. We all experience what I'm talking about. And second thing is this. When we give our testimony sometimes, we have tendency to uplift man rather than giving glory to God. So this afternoon, I would like to ask you to pray for me. I do not want to uplift myself at all. Because before the sight of the Lord, I'm nothing. You know, before, that's quite, uh, <laughs> in a way, in, to myself it's funny to say this, but before, I was a very proud man. Used to be. Do you know what I mean, proud man? Well, I acted like I was a very humble man and meek and lowly. Because you know, as a Seventh-day Adventist preacher, you know how to manipulate. <laughs> this afternoon, my brother Nebo gave us a very, very nice talk. I think I appreciate that very much. I think he's very... God gave him a gift of very logical mind, didn't he? Um, I learned to be very diplomatic. I learned to disguise myself. You know, I used to be uh, manipulative. You know, I, I was a simple-minded person, but I did not really want to manipulate and use people for my own cause, but I always disguised myself. I lived to life. That's why, that's why, when I, when I say that, uh, I'm nothing before the Lord. To me, it sounds like I'm totally, to, to, totally became a different person. Because that's exactly what I feel before the Lord. Because the Lord gave me new insight. He opened my spiritual eyes. I began to see. And then I began to see about myself how terribly wicked and sinful I am before the Lord. So before I talk to you about my experience, I want to uplift what God has done in my life. That is my intention. Before I start, let me ask you to open the Bible. Exodus chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. Exodus chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. It goes this way. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Did I pronounce wrong? Exodus. Was, was it, how, how do you pronounce it? Exodus. Exodus. <laughs> okay. Uh, second book. Okay. Now verse 3. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, 
when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Do you know this murmuring and complaining happened just right after they crossed the Red Sea? Right after they sang with beautiful song and praising God by the direction of the Miriam? This old assembly and congregation of Israel, they sang praising God. They just crossed the Red Sea. Right after, they, when they found out, you see, wow, we crossed the Red Sea alive. Look at this. You see, this, we never experienced this kind of miracle before. And then they saw what they were facing. They were facing barren land, without fruit, no vegetables, nothing, no trees. All this assembly congregation, they began to worry. And they worried. And then they began to complain and murmur against Moses, actually but against God. Which means they did not learn to obey and giving glory to God yet. Which means physically they are freed men. Physically they are freed from the, from the bondage of slavery. They came out from Egypt. They, they crossed the Red Sea. And yet they were still in the bondage of sin and distrust and disobedience. You see, these people were free men without the real freedom. I was in the same condition. And yet, the worst thing to me was this. I was an ordained minister of Seventh-day Adventist Church. With this great light that we have. You know this story. It appears in chapter 17 of Luke. You don't have to look it up now. You can go on. Uh, uh, you can, after this meeting, you can read yourself. Jesus Christ once healed ten lepers. Remember? And out of ten lepers, only one person came back to give thanks and glory to Jesus Christ. Who was the, this man? Samaritan. Gentile. You see, all the other nine people, well, must have been a Jews, they went out their ways. They did not come back and give him praise and thanksgiving and glory to God and to Jesus, who healed themselves. Now, I feel this way. There are, I guarantee you, there are many, many Seventh-day Adventists nowadays in the denomination, in the church, maybe in this tent. They have been redeemed and rescued by meat-eatings or cheese-eatings or bad clothing or maybe smoking or drinking, or harmful lifestyles. They may have been rescued and redeemed, and yet they are not saved yet. 
These nine lepers got healed physically. Now they're about to enjoy their life, health. You know, join together with their family again. Joining with the friends again. Going to the school again. Enjoy the life again. And yet, they're not saved. And I know many, many Seventh-day Adventist ministers are this way. How do I know? I was one of them. And I knew and I knew and I know now the situations of many, many ministers. How poverty in spirituality they are before Jesus. I was one of them. I was one of them. Believe me. You see, let's open one more one more text. John chapter 17, verse 4. John chapter 17, verse 4. It goes this way. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. This Jesus Christ prayed to his Father before the crucifixion. What he's saying is that, Father, I have glorified you. Giving glory means this. Well, I have finished the work you have given to me. That's what it means, giving glory to God. You know, many people, they are rescued and redeemed from the bad habits or even sins and bad lifestyles, but they do not live for God. Still, they live for themselves. Sometimes I preach this way. If you teach some people health, health, you know, uh, cooking school, health seminar, health class, and, and help them to live a healthful life. And yet, if you do not give them Jesus Christ and real gospel, you just made healthy sinners. Do you know what I'm talking about? They are going to go, go around and go out and, and sin more and more. Why? Because they, they get re- well, the health returned to them. They can enjoy their life again. Without the real gospel, the health message is almost nothing. I know it can do a lot of good things to us, but without knowing the Savior, what does it do to you? Oh, these people, they will travel more, study more, and sin more. And I know this to many Seventh-day Adventist people. Oh, I'm pleading with you. If you do not know Jesus Christ, clearly with saving relationship if you do not as i tell you again if you do not have perfect peace in your heart if you just do not do not do not know that jesus christ purged you and forgiven you if you don't have, do not have the peace in your mind now you better think again because maybe you are redeemed by the truth by the light into good lifestyle but maybe you have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. It's a terrible thing to live in this fashion. Oh, my brothers and sisters, I know it by first hand. I was one. I was one. And the bad thing is, I was preaching the gospel every Sabbath. I held a seminars, a Dan- Daniel seminars, and Revelation seminars, and cooking schools, and you name it, health seminars. 
And, uh, and the stress, stress seminars, I was, I was one of the good speakers among Korean community as a lecturer of the stress seminar as a one tool for the evangelism. But truly, I did not know Jesus Christ in my heart. I thought I knew, but I did not know. Until I faced with the real gospel. You know, about three months ago, one of our church members, well, actually, we have a small branch in Orlando, Florida. That's, we, we consider it as a branch of our, our church in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, phone rang one day. I said, well, Pastor, oh, yes, uh, I mean, uh, Brother Park, what happened? My wife died. I was really surprised and shocked. I met her and spoke to her, and she spoke to me just last Sabbath. And this, this husband calls me, well, Pastor, my wife passed away. What happened? And he explained, well, she was a nurse, and she worked night shift. She worked all night long, and she came out from the hospital, and she was driving. She was very tired. Maybe she slept momentarily as she was driving. And she just slammed onto the tra- transportation city transportation bus. And immediately, she was killed. And my heart was out of peace. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I said, well, brother, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I'll be right down. So we went down. And in the funeral service, I told people this way. Brothers and sisters, if you go out from this funeral service right now, if your car is slammed onto something and die immediately, what will happen to your salvation? Are you all right with God? I could feel the silence. You can hear the pin drops in that funeral house. I was serious about, this, about the salvation business with them. I spoke to them, to the family, to the relatives, to the church members. As a matter of fact, the, all the church members, I mean regular church members who opposed my ministry or misunderstand my ministry, all came because of the funeral service. I used that time to appeal to their hearts. Many people after service came to me and said, Pastor Kang, I didn't know you were preaching that message. We misunderstood you. You see, God used that death service to let them listen to my message. Sometimes it happens strangely that, that way. You know, let me ask you this. If you go out now, if you slam with something and you die, what will happen to you? That's a very solemn question we have to ask every moment. Are you right with God? You know, when I was... In, in ministry, pastoring, well, I try to assure people, yes, since you believe in God, since you believe in Sabbath, since you're coming to church every Sabbath, you, you, are, you are going to be saved. You're okay. You see, you just bring all your sins every Sabbath on the cross of, the, I mean, on the foot of, foot of uh, cross of Jesus Christ. You'll be okay. But funny thing was this. I've been preaching it and everything, every time when I preach that assurance of salvation, 
why I do not feel the assurance of salvation in my heart. I didn't feel it. I only felt a cold sweat flowing down, down on my spine. I knew there was a nagging feeling, no peace in my heart, no assurance of salvation, no assurance of forgiveness, and, and yet I have to tell them, I have to preach to them. At least my, my heart, my, my conscience, my mind was honest with the Lord. I was searching, and desperately I was searching. You know, if we die immediately, and then we wake up in the resurrection morning, and then we're trying to see the clouds and Jesus Christ. Oh, where are you, Jesus? Where? You see, this must be second, second coming, Jesus. Where are you? And then you see a dark crowd. You don't see anything as a dense dark. And you see people coming out from the grave with terrible shape, with their disease and broken bodies and everything. You see, and you see wicked angels and devil beside you. And then you see a new Jerusalem coming down from heaven with all the saints in there and angels around them and Jesus Christ is standing above. And you say, did I? I, I cannot believe it. Am I rejected after millennium? Lord, don't you know me? Don't you know me, Lord? I've been coming to the Adventist Church for 36 years or 40, 50 years. I've been to the Adventist Church as an elder I served, as a minister. Don't you know me? I preached the gospel. I served the church. I gave tithes and offerings, many, many things. Don't you know me, Lord? What, what happened to me? Oh, my brothers and sisters, that can be devastating. Men. But Jesus will go in tears in his eyes. Sir, I'm sorry. I never knew you before. Do you know Jesus? I didn't know Jesus until about six years ago. You know, One day, I still clearly remember. One day, I turned to my wife and I shocked her. I love my wife. She's uh, about this tall. She's a small lady. But she's just, she has a beautiful heart. I mean, it's a very kind heart. You know, she's, ob she's a very obedient wife. Maybe this will offend some of the some ladies here, I know, but please. <laughs> you know, I, I tell you, in, uh, one American friend told me this. Yes, uh, even in, in, in America, you know, the, the man is the head of the household, but the wife is the neck that turns it. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> So maybe this will offend you to some ladies, but I, this this is a normal expression in, in in Korean language, you know, obedient wife. I mean, I don't have to drive her; she doesn't have to obey like this. But she respects me as a head of the household. That's biblical, isn't it? That's biblical. I'm not going to say if it's not biblical. I'm a preacher, you see. Well, anyway, I shocked my wife. And say, well, honey, 
I want to quit. And she said, quit what? I want to quit. Quit what? I want to quit my ministry. And she was shocked. She was born and raised as a daughter of the minister in our church. My father-in-law served for this church for about 35 years. She was, I mean, he was retired a few years ago. And my wife never heard such a thing. Quitting the ministry. After ordained and all. And I mean, immediately she knew what's going on in me. She was so, so shocked and said, she held my hand and said, well, honey, what's going on? What was happening? Well, honey, nothing is really going on. It's me, not you. It's me. It's not the church. It's not the conference. It's me. You know, funny thing is at that time, I was considered, well, I'm, I just, I'm just telling you the fact, I was considered an, as a, one of the most popular pastors among Korean churches. Can you imagine that? And my, my conference president loved me. He gave me the uh, the scholarship to go to Andrews again. You know, I already finished the MDF, and he 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 just gave me the scholarship to go to finish the uh, Doctor of Ministry. As a matter of fact, I was in that course. I was studying it, and my church people loved me. They said, "Oh, Pastor, don't move, don't go away, stay with us for more more, more years, stay longer." And few other churches in next cities called me. Hey, Pastor, if you think you're ready to move, please come to our church. Do you know what I'm talking about? I was well-known, Pastor, to be called to hold a evangelistic meetings and revelation seminars. I'll tell you, I was not, I was not, you know, a, the pastor of, Entailed, you know what I'm talking about? I was making it. I was going up upward. If I went that way, I knew very near future I could become a prominent leader among Korean churches. Even a ministration in Korea, Union Conference, wanted to call me back to Korea to hold an important position. That talk was going on. I heard. That was the moment I said, Wife, I want to quit. Do you know why? Because I knew honestly in my heart, God does not approve of my life and my ministry. I told many people Bible doctrines. I baptized them. As a matter of fact, I, I uh, proselytized, how do you say it? Uh, yeah, proselytized uh, many, many people from different denominations, from even Catholic Church. You see? And yet, I honestly know in my conscience, small voice, but David, you never actually converted them. You never even converted a single soul in the church. You taught them, but you did not lead them to Christ. You didn't see them really surrender their lifestyles to Jesus, did you? 
And I have to honestly say, Lord, no, I haven't. At that time, sometime, just nobody knows. Only myself and God knows. Sometime, as a Seventh-day Adventist minister, I went out, I just drove cars just far away from home. And it went out. It, you, know, you know, just nice sky, many, many stars. In the wilderness, I cried out alone, God, are you there? Are you alive? If you are, why? The gospel and the power of the gospel doesn't happen to me. You know, because I know that you know, I, I could not control my temper at the time. You know, but people say, well, our pastor is very nice, pastor and kind and meek. But if you really want to know what you are, you have to honest, honestly see yourself what you are in your family, in your home. How do you treat your wife? How do you treat your husband? How do you treat your children? And another thing, when you are all alone, nobody's watching, nobody's looking at, at you, no family, no, no pastor, no elders, no deacons, no, no church members. You're all alone in foreign country somewhere. What do you want to see? What are you enjoying to hear? What do you want to think? That's what you are. Honestly, when I stand before God at the time, honestly, I love to listen to country music. I love to listen and watch television dramas and movies. If nobody's around, I want to go to theater and to watch movies. I'm talking about ordained SDA minister. I'm not talking about lay person. I'm talking about me. Of course, I don't blame anybody but myself. It's all my fault. I didn't learn. All throughout my schooling and education in Adventism, from primary school up to the graduate school, nobody really taught me how to overcome. All I he heard was new theology all through. And say, well, we are born, born selfish. You see, we are born sinful. You see, if you cherish a sinful desire, oh, yes, uh, uh, might as well, you already, already, already sinned. Don't even try. I tell you, when truth is distorted, you cannot have right experience. That's why Jesus said, Oh, Father, sanctify them with your truth. Because truth, your truth, holy. Right? You see, if we do not understand the truth, we cannot have it. So, at that time, I was very, very worrisome. And I, 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 and I know, honestly, you see, I argued with my wife time to time. When I argued, sometimes I threw books on the wall. Sometimes I I threw a one glass and broke it and almost I hit my wife once thank God I did not hit it hit her and time to time 
in the name of good education, I spank my children. I have beautiful two, two, two daughters. Now it's a, uh, she's 15 and then 8. Beautiful two daughters. They love the Lord now. I praise God for that. It's the Lord's miracle. You know, in the name of the good education, I spank them time to time with my anger. And I know Ellen White said I shouldn't, but I did. I could not control. I could not control my heart. I could not control my sinful desires. Oh, I never gone out to rob the bank or steal something. I never steal the stolen cars. I never went out and slept with another, another person's wives or anything. But I was full with the sinful desires I could not control. Do you know why I could not control? Because I loved them. I liked it. That's why you cannot control. If God gives us by His power the hatred toward the sin, then we can stop sinning. We can stop sinning. You know, that's why I said, Wife, I want to quit. At that time, my wife understood. And she cried. And then after she cried for a while, and she said, Well, honey, if that's the way you feel like it, if that's your decision, I will follow. My wife is very such a kind and nice wife. So what I did is I, I tried to detour it. You know, if I say, okay, I resign it, I go out, and then everybody will think very strange, right? Well, ordained ministers, suddenly they resign, go out. I mean, did he commit sin? I mean, or, or what? You know, people will criticize me with, with many reasons. So I, I cared about reputation very much. Do you? <laughs> but when I came into the, into the uh, independent ministry, God knew the reputation and popularity is my idol. He knew it. So he just smashed my popularity and, and, and uh, my reputation all over on the floor. I do not have anything about them now. But I don't care anymore. As long as Jesus Christ recognized my heart and my ministry, that's all I care about now. I praise God for my change. That's all the miracle by the Holy Spirit. I give all the credit to God and Him only. He's the one. If we experience the salvation, we, we know it's not from us. There's nothing in us. It's coming from above. From God. You know, at this time, what I did is very clever. I registered to become a counselor, psychiatric counselor, in a way, but pastoral psychiatric counselor. There's a demon program course that. You see, I don't have to preach anymore, I don't have to pastor the church anymore. All I have to do is meet and counsel clients, that's all. And then I would say to public, well, you, you see, God gave you a new mission and new desire. Now I want to work for the Lord in a little different fashion. That nobody is going to doubt me. Do you know what I'm talking, I'm talking about? I, was, I, I devised a clever plan. But I was very, very uneasy, uneasy in my heart. Well, to make it uh, simple... I was very, very miserable. 
you see Sunday night, you know, I said, well, your kids, go to bed. And try to, you know, put them to bed as early as possible. And I sat with the television set. And sometimes I watched until 4 o'clock in the morning. And I loved them. And sometimes, well, one thing I loved, loved to do was watching sports games. The sport, especially American football. <laughs> when it comes to American football, I love to watch. You see, sometimes when quarterback throws the ball, my heart flies with it. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about, this experience? <laughs> By the grace and miracle of God, I came out from the bondage of sin. Now, one day I clearly remember this one day, uh, it was Sabbath. And on that Sabbath, Chicago Bears was fighting with, with some other, other team in the semi, semi-final. I really wanted to watch that game, but it was fell on Sabbath. You see? And I was driving on Sabbath afternoon, uh, trying to visit members, you know. And I remember, I tried to drive as as possible as I can to drive small, small alleys so that if I can get a chance to listen to television or television set. And it was Sabbath afternoon. Minister, driving, trying to visit members and roll down the window and I said, hey guys, what's the score? What's the score? Oh, oh folks, after I said that, I felt so miserable. And Lord remembers after that, I parked my car on, on, on the curb somewhere. And I wept. And I cried out, Lord, would you save my soul from this bondage of sin? I'm in bondage of sin. I'm a slave. I'm a free man without real freedom. Lord, where are you? Would you save me, Lord? And I began to pray for about three months, desperately. You know what? If you do not feel, the, feel miserable, if you do not feel miserable when you are in sin, then you do not feel the need of Savior. That's why many, many Adventists, dear Adventists, they do not in need of Savior because they feel okay in their sin. They don't feel they are bondage of sin. Oh, it takes Holy Spirit to feel that. And I praise God that He, has, he had planned to save my soul. And then one day, I was in Andrews University in the library. To fulfill one of the requirements of the course that I was in, I was read a Thoughts of Mount of Blessings. Well, that course... You know, I don't want to criticize my mother's school that I graduated from, but I want to say this one. I'm praying for that school. I'm really, really stressed out and worried for the, for the ministers who graduated from, from those schools. They do not understand pure gospel. You know, about 90% of requirements are reading the other, the other, the other church professors' books. Not spirit prophecy or Bible. Well, anyway, and uh, in that list, at, at, at last list was the thoughts of Mount Blessing. You know what? Until that time, as a minister, I never read the book. 
Until that time, I never read a, a great controversy entirely. Entirely, I read portion here and there. I read a lot of spirit prophecy in order to prepare a sermon, not for the food for my soul. So this is a problem for ministers. And I began to read. I began to read. You know what? The Lord answered my prayer. Lord, he, he really answered my prayer on that day. I began to see things on that day. Now, when I read that book, somehow this happened. Maybe you can identify yourself with me. Suddenly, the words and sentences and, and contents come alive. Like a moving picture. Like moving words. It began to it began to knock on my door of my conscience like this. And that book revealed, actually exposed every motivations and desires in my heart. You see, when there's a pastor who are praised by my church people, well, that pastor preached good. I was in jealousy. I had a spirit of competition. You know, Ellen Y. said this. Oh, I love her. She is an inspired prophet of God. And she said plenty. She said this. If you are a converted person, you are not going to concern or you're not going to have anxiety for your own personal success. And that hit my conscience. Everything that I read, I sat down and, and I read for about three hours solid. And I thought, Nothing was around me. I thought I was caught up in somewhere. Nothing is around me. Just, it, it was just very bright and me and only with the book. And I felt like holy angels were all surrounded me. And somehow I felt, I didn't see, but I felt the light came down from heaven and hid my heart. And I felt like I experienced a, the road of Damascus. In a way, short, small version. Oh, you see, after I, I read it, I began to cry and weep, read, weep. I didn't say anything, but I stood up and I began to say this. I'm free now. All the guilt has been upon my shoulder, has gone suddenly. Normal guilt in my heart. It was a very strange feeling. Normal guilt. I felt very free and peace with God. And, and all of a sudden I felt the love for Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden I, begin to, I began to feel the, the real, real uh, uh, sinfulness about myself. I said, Lord, thank you. Outwardly, actually nothing happened. Great miracle took place in my heart on that day. I never can forget. As I walked out from the door, and I could see the sky was bluer. The trees were more greener. And everything looked so beautiful to me. It was the first experience that I experienced. Of course, I had a, a couple of the conversion experience, so-called, I can call, in one, one time in high school, one time in college. But compared to that, there was nothing. And I looked look up on the sky, and there was a few, few birds were flying. And I looked look up, and first thought came to my mind was this. Oh, 
what a lovely bird. All they do is eat and sleep and praising God. Eat and sleep and praising God all day long until they die. But what I have, 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 have done for my life, I have lived for me and for my own glory. That made me so terrible. After that, by the Holy Spirit, I began to confess my sins for three months. Entire three months, I locked the door in my, in my, in my study at home. Sometimes I knelt before the Lord. I began to, began to pray. But I could not pray because my, my, because my sobbing, uh, my, my weeping, emotion, I could not pray. But the Lord knew my heart. I began to have a real process of true repentance, genuine conversion experience. And I began to praise God. Sometime, you know, I was brought up in Korea as a macho man. You know, Korean man, walk straight, you know, talk straight. And say, they never show your fear. You know what I'm talking about? If you show your fear, especially before women, I mean, you are ashamed. I'm talking, I mean, this is, I was brought up as a, as a Korean macho man style. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's, that's how my father raised me. If you cry before, before the public, I mean, that's known for, for macho man as a Korean. You have to be strong. But I began to cry. I didn't care. Sometimes I wet all my knees with my tears. When I cry, I, I, I used to just wet my, wet my eyes a little bit, and it was gone. But for three months, oh, God knows I wet my knees many times with my tears. Because Jesus Christ gave me the spirit of true repentance. You know, before I, I said, oh, Lord, I'm sorry I did that. Forgive me. It was not that. I began to really feel the sorrow for the sins. The sorrow for the pains that I caused to Jesus Christ, my Savior. After that, spirit prophecy books and the Bible became new book to me. I was searching. I was hungry. I studied 10 hours, 9 hours, 7 hours a day. That year, I studied 20 books. All historic Seventh-day Adventist teachings, those books. You know what? When God gave me true repentance, right away, He opened my spiritual eyes. And I began to, began to search for truth. Not the truth that, I be, that I've been preaching or heard. No. The solid truth. Seventh-day Adventism. And then I found about our firm foundation magazine. And I found about Heartland Institution. When I heard about, you know, uh, like self-supporting ministry or the uh, independent ministry. Oh, independent. I mean, they're poor people. First of all, that's my impression. And secondly, uh, they're separatists, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're extremists. I mean, they're really right-wingers. That's what I thought, too. But when I found out about the booklets and magazines from those ministries, it just touched my heart. I said, Lord, these are the spiritual food I've been looking for. You know, and then Lord gave me the power to overcome my sinful tendencies. How wonderful and tasteful experience, how beautiful experience to walk with the Lord every day. You know, and then happened. 
You know what happened? As soon as I opened my spiritual sight, and I began to pre- preach. You know, I'm a, per- a kind of person that I cannot hold back. I cannot hold, hold inside and say, well, I have to think about this for, for a long time and then speak. No, that's not the kind of, kind of person I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm just an outgoing person in a way. So when I know something, study, and understand something, I just write away and preach. So in that church, I have been in that church for four years. On fifth year, I began to preach like a roaring lion. Because God saved my soul. What can you do? But preach, preach the gospel, you see. I began to preach. And people's eyes began to pop up like a ping pong balls and say, what this, what this preacher is trying to say? You see, they were so stunned and surprised and shocked because I became so different person. My countenance, the way I smile, the way I talk, the assurance, you see, conviction that I preach. And people began to notice the difference in me. And people came to me and said, Pastor, what happened to you? You see, one day, inappropriate, I remember, in Chicago, in my church. And I gave them my testimony. Folks, I'm sorry. I gave you wrong stops so far. I'm sorry. I'm going to repay you the true stop. You see, I didn't know either. But now I found I was blind before. Now I can see. I'm going to lead you to the truth. And I began to talk about the truth, overcoming the perfection experience and the 144,000 right after, you know, and sanctuary, everything, everything that I engulfed, I preached. And And then something happened. Do you know what? I began to receive all kind of flags, all kind of persecutions. It was so strange. I thought if I if I become like this, I thought every every pastors and pastors and, and the ministers, my friends, could join me and then praise God. That's what I thought. But I found it was all wrong, different. Oh, they began to say bad things about me behind my back. I'll tell you. Until, until this time, no one, no my minister friend came to me directly and said, David, I think you are full of lie or full of heresies. No one said that in front of me. No one did yet. But they spoke against, my, against me behind my backs. When those words coming around to me, it hurts. It hurts. You know, I began to pr- preach that I'll tell you one thing. As soon as my spiritual eyes were open, the first thing that I I began to feel is the imminence of coming of Jesus Christ. That's strange. Before I felt, well, Jesus coming, oh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe if he comes, maybe next generation, or maybe a hundred years later. I did not feel the imminence of second coming of Jesus Christ. But after conversion experience, I began to feel, oh, Jesus Christ is coming soon to take me back. I was so happy, and I preached about it. Maybe because I was a baby spiritually. Maybe my words and some, some expressions were not immature, were, were immature, maybe. But I was very honest and sincere. And I said, I folks, you know, I, I told them like this. I know you are building half-million-dollar home. Some of them, some of them did. And I know you are trying to buy a Mercedes and a BMW, the nicest car you can drive. Do you know, folks, that sin before God? 
You have to invest your money for the ministry of God. You are indulging financial things. Those properties is not yours, it's God's. I was straight. I was straight. And I began to preach about straight testimonies. And, uh, and, I, I, and I told them that the Sunday law is going to come very soon. The crisis is coming ahead. The Jesus is coming soon. And then all the other ministers began to, to say like this, Oh, David Kang, he began to set the date for Jesus coming. He's an extremist. Do you know what I'm talking about? Familiar? Now, and then, at this time, something beautiful happened in my family. I did not know I was the one which is hindering, 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 hindering block for my family to see God. I was a minister, but I was the stone blocking them to see God. So, I apologized to my wife. And she saw the difference in my life. You see, whether you are, you are converted or not, your wife, your husband, will be the first one to know. And your children will be the first one to know. And uh, I remember that uh, I called my, my daughter, the Susan. I said, Susan, come here. She loved me. Okay, but she hated me when she practiced her violin. Do you know why? Because you know, I said, "You see, look at all these those elders' daughters, elder sons, or deacon son and daughters. They play good when we have a, a music program in our church. But what do you do? You know, you're the daughter of the minister. I mean, you you should not be disgraceful to to, to me. You should play at least good good violin or or piano. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, actually, educating my daughter under good name I was educating her for my own glory do you know many parents are doing that to add to to telling them to certain schools they're doing it for their own pride we should not do that I was guilty of it so I, I called him Susan and I cried and my daughter never saw her dad crying she was surprised and dead. What's going on? I said, and I held her hand. I said, well, well actually, the reason she, she didn't like me around while she was practicing violin is this. You know, even though I'm not, a, I'm not that good a musician, I have a keen ears. When I listen to music or voice or, or instruments, I can, I can point out the wrong notes very quickly. I have a keen ears, you know. So when she... Hit the wrong note and say, Susan, do it again. Again. No, that's wrong. Again, again. And something, well, one point in time she said, Well, Daddy, I like you, but when I play, play Byron, please stay out of me. I don't like you. Do you know what I'm saying? That's why I said, uh, Susan, I'm so sorry. I have been so bad, Daddy, to you. Now I found Jesus Christ. Daddy, you found Jesus, your minister. Yes, I know. I found Jesus. And I'm so sorry. It's late, so late. But I'm going, to, I'm going to be changed. I'm going to be better, Daddy. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? And my, my daughter and I, and I hugged at that time. And she cried, and I cried. After that day on, I know Holy Spirit 
worked in her heart and she loves the Lord now. Oh, my friends, do you know why some of our children are not converted? Because we are not converted. I know it by experience. I know some parents, because you, you woke up too late. You cannot do anything about that. I understand that. But sometimes because it's because our fault, our, our own fault. You know that in your heart. And after that few months, I began to see my daughter changing her life. You know, little, little daughter, little one. She said, Daddy, I want to be baptized because I love God. I love Jesus. And then at night, if I passed by her, her, her room, this little daughter wake up early in the morning praying to Jesus. Little girl, 10 years old, 12 years old. She's 15, going on 16 pretty soon. Praying to Jesus early in the morning. Touched my heart, do you know? My wife and I do not deserve this. We didn't do anything about that. When we surrender our life and heart and will to Jesus Christ, He did it. He did it. That is a true education. That's true salvation for our kids. I tell you. You know, after this, as I told you, Many people turn their back against me. Well, one time, I was so surprised. I have a, I have a very dear friend. And he was minister too. And uh, when I met him, I said on the phone, Well, hey friend, come on over. I have something to share with you. I have exciting things, things to share with you. Well, he was my tennis partner. Well, anyway, he came. And I shared... This gospel for what five hours, without stopping. I with open Bibles and spirit prophecy. I shared with him what I, found, what I found, and all those five years, he sat and quietly listened. And after that, he said this to me: "You are gone really crazy." And then, and I said, "Well, friend, how do you believe about perfection then?" How do you believe about sealing experience? And he said, oh, it'll just take as a miracle. We cannot do that. Somehow God is going to, by just, just, you know, just like this, in a twinkling of an, of an eye, momentarily, he's going to do something miracle in our, in our mind and set our mind. I was amazed. I was so, so surprised. Adventist ministry is saying that. And then I found out, one by one, many and others think same way. Before, when I was mingled with them, play with them, sing with them, preach with them, I didn't know. When I woke up, I began to see the picture. I began to see the why is the problem of the Seventh-day Adventism nowadays. Why we are not having the latter rain. Why Jesus Christ has not come yet. I began to understand. If you go to Jerusalem, you will see the wall of what? We wailing wall. Wall of weeping, wailing. Do you know what? In Seventh-day Adventist church, there is a wall of weeping and wailing. Why, Lord, why? The, the, the latter rain is not here yet. Why, why, Lord, you hasn't come yet? We have wall of wailing. 
friends, it is real. Many, many persecuted saints in our church praying. Lord, when are you going to stop this persecution? I cannot bear it anymore. People are weeping. People are weeping. And I began to understand. And then it began to happen. You see, many, many persecutions began to come from all sides. From the, from the elder of the church, from deacon of the church. But I tell you what, when one, for one year I preached in that church, that church totally changed. They turned around and they began to come and pack the church. I didn't do any, any evangelistic meetings, but people packed the church. They want to listen to live, live preachings. They began to come and began to weep, began to cry. And I began to see, really, among my congregation, people began to have true conversion experience. In my ministry, I began to praise God. Now I know what, what, what this is. You see, the soul winning does not take education. It takes Holy Spirit. It doesn't take church growth program. It's, it is from Babylonian churches. I tell you. Cell group concept. It is not Adventist concept. Church growth, big church, more, more members, more baptism, more growth of offerings. It is not Adventist concept. If more numbers are successful, then devil is more successful than we are. That's what Ellen White, Ellen White said. You see? But we are doing all wrong in this area. <laughs> anyway, our church was on fire. And I understand now, the reformation and revival takes place in the church if there is a message in the church. If you have a message in your family, there will be revival and reformation. If you don't, nothing. The message is from the Holy Spirit. It was given you do not create it. You have to receive it every morning on your knees. Open Bible. You have to receive it from the Lord. Because these messages are inspired messages. It's from the God. And at this time, you see, the, the, I mean, on Sabbath school, many church members came out for in tears in their eyes and testimony after testimony after testimony. Our church was on fire. It was changed. Because God changed me. And I know, in many, many occasions, I know the ministers are, are on the way of revival and reformation. I'm, I'm sorry to say that, but that's what it is. Maybe you deny it, but that's what it is. Now, at that time, uh, the people in Los Angeles called me. I said, Pastor Khan, would you come over and start to work as a television evangelist for Koreans? I said, well, television evangelist for Koreans, you know. I love to do that for, for many years because uh, somehow, you know, I, I believe in mass media. We have to win souls as effectively as possible, you know. And I said, well, I, I prayed about it, and I prayed, and uh, my wife and I, we prayed and discussed, and we accepted the call. And we went to Los Angeles for one year. After I was gone, next pastor came 
and all the other pastors. You know, Chicago is just two hours away of Andrews. Sometimes it can be cursed. I'm sorry to say that I love that institution because I was graduated from it. But sometimes it can be cursed. The students and ministers from that, from that school came to our church and then a new pastor came and then they, they, they reversed the things. They said, oh, the things Pastor Kong preached, it was a extreme things. It was, a, it was not right. It was a sensationalism. And people began to call me Los Angeles, Pastor, this is what they're telling me. Is that true? For six months, people called me. After six months, no more calls. Later on, I found out most of the church members went backward. They, they, they lost their spiritual experience. Do you know what happened? The members of the church became more wicked than before. They, I mean, that's what happened. When people reject the light, they go backward further. That's what happens. So when you receive light and truth, be aware. Do not turn away from the Lord. You obey one light, He will give two lights. If you obey them, He will give one more light. You see, the way of the saints is advancing to the light of the sun. Like Proverbs says, now, and then, I thought if I move away from Chicago, I'll be okay. But I was wrong. In Los Angeles, I, f- I was found in problem again. You see, on television, I began to preach straight messages too. You see? And I said, well, uh, folks, at a committee meeting, I said, well, folks, I'm going to preach Adventist message as it is. And they said, well, that's good. That's, what, that, that's, what, that's why you're here. As a matter of fact, a, a, the, the te- that television ministry was almost going down to two. Because, you know, the rating was, was, was very, very low. Do you know why? Because Adventist preachers preaching like the other church pastors. No Adventist message. And then our Adventist lay people said, if we want, if you hear that kind of message, actually Presbyterian pre- preachers preach better, actually. Then why do we waste our money? That's why I said, folks, I am going to preach like it is. They liked it. And I began to preach. I began to preach about the state of death, about the law, about the grace, about the sanctuary, about the 666, about the mark of the beast, on the television. You see, I began to preach. And, uh, and then something happened. Well, my fellow ministers came to me and said, well, David, you cannot do that. Why can't I? You see... We have a very good relationship with those uh, other church ministry associations. I meet them like once a week. I mean, you, you hurt our relationship. You see, you do not preach straight message on, on the television like that. I mean, that's a, that's a very rude way. You hurt their feelings. <sighs> what can I say? What can I say? And then the committee members, they got together and said, we, maybe we have to... We have to, we have to uh, scrutinize or investigate your, your manuscript now on about your preaching on television. And I felt very, very sad. And then Korean, Korean Ministerial Association got together. 
they selected a committee meeting against me. Study committee meeting. Study about me for what? And they want to, they want to study. You know what? After they formed the committee meeting for seven months, no one called me, no one sent, sent me a letter, nothing. What they did is they banned me from the pulpit. And they said, do not invite David Kang on the pulpit anymore. So all the churches who planned to, 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 to you know, invite me, one by one canceled my meetings. If, I, if they, the ministers or the elders, call me and uh, tell me honestly, maybe I would have feel better. And they lied to me. And they said, well, they, well they, they're short of budgets. Or they, they, have, uh, they're going to, uh, they actually planned two meetings in the area. All sorts of excuses. They canceled my meetings. And one day, I woke up on Sabbath morning. And I said to my wife, Honey, what church do we have to go this morning? I lost the church. I didn't have any, anywhere, anywhere to go. You see, one day, I went to one church. And minister, while he was, he was, he was beholding me, watching me, he preached this way. Well, one guy from, uh, from the East Coast and coming to Los, Los Angeles area and preaching and threatening people. And, then, and he says that Sunday, Lord, is going, is going to come. It's imminent. Maybe Jesus Christ is going to come very soon. I say, this uh, threatening tactic is not, is not healthy. It's not good. Don't listen to that kind of things. Right in front of my face. You know, sometimes persecutions are varies. You know what I'm talking about. And then, one day, I was so frustrated. I was so frustrated. You know, pastors are banned from the pulpit. What can you do? I, mean, I was so frustrated. And I remember my wife went to work. My children went to school. I was all alone at home in the apartment. And I was praying. I was so frustrated. And I prostrated on the carpet floor. Just like stretch myself like this, prostrated. And I say, Lord, take my life now. Would you put me in sleep? If you make me die now peacefully, I know I'll be with you. Because I'm right with you. You know it. Even though I'm, I'm, I'm still sinful, you know I'm right with you. I want to do anything for you. You know my motivation now. Lord, put me in sleep. I cannot bear this anymore. It's too, too painful, too suffering. What should I do? You see, you, you put me here. I didn't do it. You, you gave me true repentant spirit. Look, what do I deserve? You see, this... <laughs> And I even said, Lord, I mean, is this the way you want, you want me to live? You know, I a little bit doubted. You know, at that time, the Holy Spirit spoke to my mind. I didn't hear the voice, but it was so vivid. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my mind, mind David, you still care for your popularity, don't you? You still have your pride, don't you? When I heard it, I stood up and said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm not going to say this anymore. I'm through with it. From that time on, I do not have any problem with the popularity or the, rep rep I mean, my what? 
reputation anymore. No more in my life. I don't care as long as God approves me. So rewarding experience. You know, when I did that, you know what happened? Like tons of burdens lifted from my shoulder. I don't care anybody but God. You see, living that way is so simple and so restful. Do you know? It's so restful. You see, I'm like a, uh, a ball. If God hits it, I fly. You see, if God doesn't hit it, I just stay. That's what I do. If God gives money to run, I run the ministry. If God does not provide money, I just stay and sleep. That's what I do. I don't care about it. It's, it's his job, his ministry. It's not mine. Isn't that so simple and so restful? Why do we have to carry all those burdens on ourselves? It's, since it's God's job and his ministry and his work. But we are worrying every time on our own. You see, we say, oh Lord, take this burden from me. And then when you sleep, you cannot sleep. Why? Because you are still bearing all the burden in your heart. You did not give that burden to Jesus Christ. It's his. It's not yours. After you prayed. You know, and then finally, I, I decided, well, maybe I have to resign this too. And then go to the country. But where? I don't know. But somehow Holy Spirit impressed my heart. Go to, go to the country and start a country living and then start a independent ministries. And then something happened. Well, I went to the Hope International. I met Elder Ron Spear. <laughs> that was, in a way, a dangerous thing to do, you know. But I mean, I did. Because I didn't care any, any, anymore. Because I, my reputation was gone any, anyway. So I, got, I was gone. So then I, <clears throat> I said, well, Elder, I have a request for you. And he said, what? what? And he, you know, the uh, Elder Ron Spear is a very kind man. He's a, he's a big-hearted man. He's a, I love him. He's a good servant of God. Well, anyway, he said, um, well, any, anyway, he can. He would like to help us. So he said, well, I do not have any money, no organization, no staff member, no building, no house, well, no land, nothing. But I know God is going to do something through me. It's his job. That's why he put me here. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to translate your magazine into Koreans. But I'll tell you what. I'll make a, I'll make a, I'll make a uh, you know, deal with you. I am going to use our firm foundation for Koreans. And I'm going to translate directly from your magazine two-thirds of it. And then one-third, maybe I'm going to write or somebody else, the Korean, are going to write the articles. And then I'm going to write the editorials. Would that, would that be okay? And say, sure, sure, you, you can do it. So at least I got the permission. Can I, use, can, can I use your pictures too? Oh, sure, sure. Well, can I print our magazines through your printer? Oh, sure, sure. Okay, at least I, I got the permission, you see. And then I prayed. And then I went to the Georgia. Because Georgia, there was a uh, few, uh, quite a few uh, Korean people living there uh, because they love the country living, because they're following the counsel of Ellen White. And I went... And few families are saying that, well, pastor, if you move, move, up here, move, move down here, then we'll help you. I'll tell you one thing. There are miracle after miracle after miracles. When I left ministry, 
I did not have any money. My wife had a good job. You know, you know, in America, ministers get paid pretty good. We made good money together, but we did not save up. We did not save up. I don't know why. I mean, we spent a lot. Well, anyway, when I when I came out from the ministry, I had I have to pay off my three cars. I had three cars at the time. I only have one car now, but I'm in three cars at the time. Uh, because my father was driving one, my wife's driving one. I have to drive one, three cars. I have to pay many things, and I have to pay off all these three cars, you know. And I have to pay off some of my bank bills, the credit cards, and everything. And it summed up to about thirty-five thousand dollars. My pocket? Nothing. What can you do in this situation? And I said, Lord. You put me here, and I know clearly it's you. You have special purpose in your in my life. What do you want to do? Lord, help me to pay these debts. If you do, I will know that you are leading my way. And I prayed. You know what? Within six months, by miracle after miracle, he paid all thirty-five thousand dollars away from me. I will not tell you why or how. It's exciting to tell, but I don't have much time to to spend on on this. But he he worked a miracle for me, and then when I moved to Georgia from Los Angeles, no money at all, and um, I had to buy at least a mobile home, single one, small one. You know we're not used to that small space, but anyway we want to give up for life. I mean this this world for Jesus Christ. My daughter, my wife was willing. Now I say that's okay. Let's go. And we made a. I think we made about five thousand dollars as a deposit. It was a ten thousand dollars worth of single mobile home. It was a small one. But, but it was a heaven for us. You know why? Because we knew we are following the will of God. That's why we were happy and we're so restful. There was peace in our heart when we gathered together. I cannot, rem- I, I cannot forget. It's the first day when we move into that small, small mobile home. My wife and I, my two kids, we knelt down on the floor and said, "Lord, thank you so much. This is like heaven. You are going to reward me and us. Beautiful mansion up in heaven, but we don't care about this small space here. You know, materialism." Doesn't make you happy. It doesn't give you prosperity or peace. But if you follow the will of God all the way, that's where the peace is. I know it. I know it, brothers and sisters. And then, in about three months, he paid off rest five thousand dollars. <laughs> miracle after miracle. Well, actually, he paid off the land that I leave and the place that I leave. Actually, God, God provided that first for me, and then when I when I left a, uh, the Los Angeles, one person came because I was holding a meeting every weekend. You see, one person came and said, "Pastor Kang, I believe in your message," and then he took out two thousand dollars and put it in my hand and said, "Use this for God." And uh, this because this dear man, I took this two thousand dollars, and that two thousand dollars I used for the first issue of Korean Our Film Foundation magazine. 
You know, my office was one of my small rooms in that mobile home. That was my first office. And then, little by little, our ministry found, but, but about four years ago, that's a little short of four years, but about four years ago, I, I moved, moved down. And then miracle happened. And two gentlemen came, and they donated a big land for us. Well, pastor, come and use this. It's yours. Land, free land for our ministry. And then one person came and said, well, pastor, you know what? I'm, I've been trying to sell this land for so long, but I, I cannot sell it. Would you take it? Sure, I'll take it. We knelt and prayed. It was sold just like this. We could use the fun. Story after stories of miracles. One man came and said, well, pastor, I have, I have a house in a certain city. I cannot sell. Would you take it? Sure, I'll take it. We prayed. It was sold just like this. Put into our ministry. Many, many miracles. You know what happened? Last four years, we printed thousands and thousands of great countries in Korea. And ministry of healings and steps to life. Truthful Today magazines. Now we are printing 8,000 magazines every month. Koreans, 8,000 from nothing. You see, and then, you know what? God gave us fund to start our own television ministry. Because I have experience for one year, remember? Lord trained me there. <laughs> now we are starting radio ministry. Oh, I'll tell, how, how can I tell you all those wonderful things God is doing, not I, I doing, not our ministry doing, but God is doing for His own people. Time is very short, brothers and sisters. Do something for Jesus Christ. And when I heard your, your testimony this, this afternoon, I was moved. I really appreciate what you're doing. Do something for Jesus. Pray about it. God is going to use you. Small and big. That's, that's what He decided. You see? What is our, our, our role? Stand? Our lot to stand? That is his job. He's going to decide. Small or medium or big. Do something for Christ. Time is very short. And Jesus Christ is coming. Nowadays, you know what happened? We travel from city to city in America. And we travel to Korea from city to city. Do you know what we do? By faith, we send out letters of invitation. Send out letters. just uh, Because we have the address of Adventists, you know all over the United States and, and in Korea, to send out letters. And then we reserve a certain auditorium or room or holiday inn. We just, we just uh, you know, send out letters. And then we pray, we go. We do not know who to come, how many to come. We do not know nothing. By faith, we go and sit and wait. Sometimes bef before five minutes, before the, you know, the, the meeting begins, nobody came. Nobody appears. But as time starts, one, five, 10, 50, 100, sometimes 200 comes. And when, I, when we go to Korea, same thing happens. Sometimes 100, 2, 3, 4, 500 people come sometimes to listen to the solid, straight testimony like it is in the Bible and spirit prophecy. Our people, in a way, are in hungry for spiritual food because they are not fed in the church. You see? And nowadays, we have two buildings. Lord, allow us two buildings. We used to have, we, began, we, we had a land and we had a few mobile homes to operate. Now, Lord, help us. 
and we have 10, one 10,000 scale fit building. Half of the building is a sanctuary. We have a, we have a uh, camp, camp meeting like this, and then we have a church. We have an independent church there, and then there. But, but close to 200 people. I mean, in three years, we started with the 20 people. In three years, it doubled up, or actually 10 times increased. became about 200 members. People from one hour away, two hours away, three hours away, they drive, drive there to listen to the message. If there's a message, people come. You know what? People come. And uh, we try to be accepted as a part of the conference. But conference is willing, in a way. So actually, they came out and organized us as a branch Sabbath school. Like, like big branch Sabbath school to 30 membership church. Well, anyway, what well, sounds strange. But anyway, that's what they, what they did. But after, afterwards, the Korean brethren called in the president's office, calling, oh, don't accept these people. They're fanatics. Don't accept these people. That's why we are not accepted now. I mean, we are trying. Now, and, and uh, recently, before I left, about two weeks ago, we had a, our own summer camp meeting. And last week of August, on that on that's Saturday, on, on Sabbath, with the guest speakers and I, you know, with all our congregation, all the people who came to our camp meeting, we had a privilege to dedicate one more building. We built 5,000 square feet building. So all this building, we built with the steel frame and, and inside interior, we, we all done by our own hands. Many people came and donated free time. You see, so with little cost, we built these two buildings. When people came and they were so, so, so surprised with this little money, you built this building? It was a miracle. In, in this 5,000 square feet building, half of it is a printing house. We already purchased and used the printing machines. It's running now. Our magazines are being printed by our own printing machines now. And the half of the building is a video studio. And what we are trying to do, we are praying to, oh Lord, please send us more funds to buy a television equipment to shoot our own programs for SDA and for non-SDA. Because God led us this far. I know He's going to lead us all the way to heaven. All the way to heaven. You know, I will finish did I go too far? Too long? Huh? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't, look, I didn't, look, I didn't look, look, look at my watch. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'll finish in just, just a few minutes, okay? Okay. <laughs> Sometime I carry on, you know. <laughs> um, I'll just say two things. I cannot omit this. You know, Ellen White, in 1908, when she was passing by the Loma Linda area, Loma Linda, in, in, the, in the chariot, or what, wagon, is what you say? In the wagon, with three men secretaries, name Mr. McIntyre, Mr. Robinson, Mr. W.E. Ross. With this man, three secretaries, she was traveling. And well, well, suddenly, well, Mrs. White said, well, stop the wagon. And they stopped the wagon. And she was caught up in vision. And, you know, after a while, she came out from vision. 
And she sighed, like this. And they asked, what happened, Mrs. White? And she said, she described this way. I saw gray storm was coming. Gray storm of persecution came and knocked every visible objects down. Every visible objects were knocked down by that big storm. And then I thought, wow, we have had it now. And then next thing she saw was that little by little, little company, little group by little, people began to rise up. And they unite together and kneel and they begin to pray, Lord, please send us your shepherds for us. And then God sent them the shepherds according to his mind. And then with these shepherds and the small groups get together and they begin to pray this way, Lord, give us Holy Spirit. And then God gave them the latter rain of Holy Spirit. They stood up like a big army, went out, loud cry, and finished the work. And then these three secretaries asked, Well, Mrs. White, you are talking about Lomarinda College, don't you? School, don't you? And she said, No, I'm talking about SDA Church. Folks, sooner or later, I don't know what, by big digester, possibly bankruptcy, your and my church organization and institutions are going to be wiped out. And we'll think, whoa, churches fall. But when the church is about to fall, the real people are going to spring up. We'll begin to pray and receive letter rain. And then they will finish the task. This church with global strategy They've been trying to finish the work. No, it will not. But the Holy Spirit and His people are going to finish the work. Yeah. And we'll go home. You know, you know the, uh, yes, uh, last night I told you about what happened in Korea. Let me briefly tell you again. In Korea, early 1900, Japan invaded Korea. You know? And then conquered Korea and ruled for 36 years. We cannot forget that. Maybe, you know, of course, I, was, I wasn't born in that time. But we know it, that, that history. At that time, they, was, they were not that hard oppressed upon the religion at first time, but last for 10 years. It was very hard oppressing. And they put, put a small towers in every village and every town, put a small box on top of it with the red round circle. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's a Japan, Japan emperor worship. And they enforced everybody when they passed by. They had to bow and worship to Japan emperor. You see, do you, you know something? Korean history says many Presbyterian church ministers, many Baptist church ministers, many Methodist ministers, they got beaten and imprisoned because they refused to bow down and worship. But many Adventist ministers they compromised. You know, my sister, you know, you, you know Grace Chai, my, my youngest sister, she came with me last year. She married to her husband, and her husband is the grandson, grandson of the, of the minister. 
in Korean Union. He was a, as a Korean person, he, he was a first Union president in Korea at that time. Before Americans. But he was the first Korean Union president. But he was the first martyr in our church. We are very proud of him. His first martyr. What happened? It happened in a very sad way. When he was called and he was you know, sent into the, in the prison, and this, this police, of the Japan police, well, these uh, investigators, they asked him and oppressed him and then put him upside and hang him upside down on the ceiling like this and then pour the red hot peppers through his nose and then taking the nails out from him. Tortures. He got tortured for six times. And seven times when he was about to ushered in to be tortured again. And then they said, well, as a president, you sign here. You put a seal here. You are going to close down the church. And you deny that Jesus Christ is God. You deny that Jesus Christ is, is coming. You see? You just deny that you sign it. You close down the church. He said, no, I cannot do that. He was tortured. As seven times he was ushered in, he was so scared. He was about to give in. And then his family member came. And then one son held up the signpost like this. Patient, Father, patient. He saw the patient of the saints. He held on. He held on. And he died in torture in the prison. But you know what happened? Do you know why he was got in, got in the prison? Because one of the ministers in our church put a letter into the police station. Sold him out. He sold the church in. Because he was in jealousy. He wanted to become a first in the church. Oh, my brothers and sisters, your brothers and sisters, you well known in the church, when they turn around at the time of persecution and time of trouble, they are going to be worst enemy towards you. That's exactly Ellen White said in Great Controversy. It happened to Korea. After, after he died, you know what happened? Just about, I cannot say everybody, but just about every minister is compromised. They closed down the church. And all the people scattered. You know, many, many ministers went to work on Sabbath to make a living. You see, when time of persecution or trouble comes, we will know who are the really church members, who are the real churches. We'll see. Don't worry about it. We'll see. You know? And then, there was a few lay people, very, very jealous for the Lord, for His work. Underground work. They've been going around all over the Korea. Win so many souls in that oppress- oppressive time. After that, he became minister. You know what happened? After the invasion was over, after we became free, independent, you see, our church was in praising God and opened the church again. And all the ministers and all the elders who was in compromise before, they all came back and held their position back. You see, I know there's a spiritual aspect of a church 
And also I know there's a visible organization of church we should respect in a way. But the leadership of the, and the majority of the people do not follow the will of God. God cannot use that institution. You have to understand it clearly. Even though God did not abandon the church, many times God cannot use that institution because they refuse to obey. What can you do if you are God? When Jesus was on this earth, God could not use Jewish church any longer. Do you understand? Now, at this juncture, you have to understand this. Respect the church. But do not trust and rely on the human beings. Amen. Trust in God and Jesus alone. Amen. Because that is the only thing that will put you through the time of great despair. I'll tell you, it is going to come very, very soon. I hope my testimony helped you today to understand better about your spirituality and what's going on in the church. God bless you. Father in heaven, we pray that each day we might have a closer walk with you, that each day we might see that we might see a little bit more the things that you would have us turn from. And we pray, Lord, for your grace and your power in our lives to overcome everything that is not pleasing to you. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us to work effectively in your service, Amen. to win souls and to help other people to come to know you. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of studying here together, that we can study in peace and comfort. And we pray, Lord, that you will strengthen those that are being persecuted. And we pray, Lord, now that you will be here the remainder of the precious hours of the Sabbath. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.